Blog Talk Radio. I think, I think I'm ready to spit this. I'm back at it. Yo. Now our father, who ought to be earthbound, subject to gravity, to be to be thy name. And when my kingdom comes, I shall bring the rum, grab the nearest microphone and speak within my brain. Now yes, you have stepped in the barbershop, and if you disagree, there's never a need to dish you. 310-982-4273 to get through. And check out my dude Alfred's YouTube page, Dragnaut Silvis. That's D-R-A-G-N-A-U-C-T. S-Y-L-V-A-S These are the questions and opinions The lessons and the visions As I step into position with the reppin' and presenting. And what am I representing? Empathy, altruism, and pragmatism My dude Alfred Loco with the humanism And people don't be afraid of a word with a dual syllabic suffix I represent hip-hop culture by the elements I represent my folks in the LGBT community And the drag community I represent the state that said If what you call Mary gets you special federal benefits Then everybody gets those benefits To better give the picture I illustrate the scripture What Alfred on my side with the illest ways to hit you The tellers of the story The writers of the word Delivering the narrative and try to get it heard The narrative The narrative of human interaction With each other and with our environment the narrative of what we call morality. Who is moral and why? What is moral and why? And how do we reach these conclusions? And if we've already reached them, then our species would have already been to a point of global tranquility right now, wouldn't we? My topics are my thoughts, folks, and probably risky. I've walked on wine and turned water to whiskey. Born in a manger and talked to the crispy. But I ended both hunger by making scotch at a brisk tea. Uh, you can uh, you can lead a man to fish, and then he'll just write Jesus on the fucking thing and stick it to his car. Now I gotta say, uh, Al- Alfred is uh, Alfred is gangster as fuck for posting that shirtless picture. Like because he did that, I'm gonna take a fresh shirtless picture and post it myself, and then I'll publicly document my diet and exercise and post pictures of progress. Cause that that that, that was dope. Al- Al- Alfred was hardcore with that. You are inspiring me, player. And uh, this episode, it would have been a uh, hip-hop history show, but I really wanted to go uh, LGBT again. And um, the thing is, I needed more to say. And uh, there was a story in the news with a transgendered flag being taken down. But then a little further down, I I read that by the podium, there were only supposed to be American flags, so even rainbow flags were removed. And uh, when the stories are still unfolding, then I figure, well, I better go ahead and just sit back with my adult beverage and wait it out. But then, you know, I'm a podcast junkie, and I hear a a short interview with uh, Monica Roberts. And that was where I I, I got some base info where I could sniff around and get some more stories and quotes to lay out there. And uh, Now, this is not a roast or a beef with the HRC, they actually put in work, uh, you know, inclusive uh, hate crimes law at the federal level and um, a a congressional hearing exclusively on workplace discrimination against uh, transgender Americans. 
and uh, corporate equality index, uh, laying a foundation for protecting employees and uh, providing inclusive health care at uh, some of the nation's largest companies, and advocacy with insurance uh, industry for transgender coverage, and anti-bullying and, uh, and welcoming school programs. So it's more of an outline on a struggle for transgendered folks to get support from people that uh, somebody my age today would assume they they would already be down with. All right, now you guys know what I'm going to say. Check the archives. It's a hot trend rolling around. And it's uh, it's not hard to be a mature human about these uh, past three topics on the Sunday shows. Uh, You do not need to spam the chat room like a little-ass boy. You're an adult. You are a human. You represent several billion years of ironically fortunate developmental evolution. The ingenuity of your species benefits you with a position of the top of the global food chain, and our knack for harvesting energy and our understandings of physics have made it so you can survive in any climate pattern on this planet. So uh, fucking act like it. All right, the past three topics were uh, religion and black male privilege, uh, religion, uh, masculinity, and homophobia, and uh, the most recent one, uh, Religion and the Exploitation of Black Women, Part 1. And uh, coming up on Black Freethinkers, bi-weekly Friday show with Mario and Emmeline on rappers uh, disrespecting women uh, with responsibility and accountability. Uh, tune into that one. It's uh, 8 p.m. on Eastern Time. In the Sunday show, Dope MCs, uh, Hip Hop and Homophobia. It doesn't Excuse me. It doesn't take um, special magic glasses to see that the bulk of our species, particularly on this continent, is uh, drunk off double shots of fresh brewed, extra smooth patriarchal blend, followed with a homophobic chaser, and with an urban culture that stemmed from generations of offsprings from the libido of humans that have so well maintained this fine-tuned patriarchy, that homophobia has reared its head there as well, and to specific degrees, uh, with a guy like uh, Tony Smith, who rocked out in the late 80s, and uh, it's a light chuckle and an inconsiderate joke. And and then you have a guy like Earl Simmons a decade later, and uh, they're almost the same age with these uh, respective time periods, and uh, he says, I'm not even going to shake your hand, and, and everything in between. And uh, ironically, I I wanted to go into hip-hop for the majority of the next barbershop, uh, more hip-hop history. Uh, But, yeah, not not on the the homophobia, just uh, just kick the ballistics on, uh, like, old-school hip-hop and bring up some old-school battles, classic lines, good stuff. And um, I also want to talk about, uh, you know, so-called gangster rap and actual gangster rap, differentiating between the two and um, differentiating between uh, gangster, turf-hogging, thug-rap, in general, hardcore and exaggerative comedy, well, we, uh, we, we can go ahead and separate all these things. And uh, for, for the you know for the non hip hop head, you can better understand what it is that we really love. Like, why can't we stop bumping these records? Because we we really dig them. I, I still play records from the early '90s, and um, and I, I understand that uh, people. If you're not like a a, a die hard just hardcore hip hop nerd, you might confuse these things. So I'm going to come through and help with that. And emails, and been getting emails, you know, pe- people people hit us up. They hit me up. It's cool. I'm not going to blow up anybody's identity, but, I, you know, first names, you know, I, I'd say to uh, 
to Jamal, yes, it was the Dutch that brought their ideology of uh, superiority to South Africa, and it was the uh, the British that drew up the paperwork and said, nah, let's make a government and legislate that. And to uh, to Carlos, you know, as long as it's not creepy and weird, I'll take whatever label a person wants to give me. I, If I were to label myself, I'd call myself uh, maybe empathetic and or uh, pragmatic altruist. But I don't mind when people call call me whatever, liberal, progressive, uh, feminist, humanist. You know, you, you can label me whatever. As, as long as I'm allowed to have cheesecake, you, you can call me an Italian ballet dancer. It's, it's all awesome for me. And for the for the young folks, you know, I, I'd hate to say that, you know, for now you live with your parents, so tough shit, but you live with your parents. Tough shit. That should be more of an incentive to take your education and career decisions very serious so you can ease into to, uh, your young adulthood independence without having to worry about them, <clears throat> excuse me, threatening to take away your college funding or <clears throat> helping you with your first few years of bills as a young adult. You know, so it's like, yeah, you know, you're a teenager now. You know, tough shit. Take your classes serious. And, uh, you know, just uh, get in there and, and to quote RuPaul, don't fuck it up. Make your education your personal agenda. An agenda, a list of items of business to be considered and discussed at a meeting, a list or a program of things to be done or problems to be addressed, an agenda, a list or an outline of things to be considered or done, agendas of faculty meetings, or an underlying or ideological plan or program, a political agenda. You know, growing up and developing as a human being, I was just as subject to stigma in words before learning the definition as anyone else. And now that I'm rather aged, and my back hurts and my hairline has abandoned me and I can't bite into a slice of pizza without my left arm going numb, but I'm also a person that thinks freely and I can look up and research what I want without context or tone influencing the information. And now I know what agenda means. And it reminds me of how I would hear that word before. You know, before I looked it up myself, I'd hear the gay agenda and the black agenda. And, you know, by hearing this term uh, used like this, it makes it sound like an agenda is some dirty, selfish thing. You know, like like the, the blacks and the gays are trying to take over with their agenda. They're going to burn this great nation down. And it's like, I, I, I have my... Uh, my young, well-groomed friend from across the Gulf here with me. Did uh, did, did annihilation get on the line? No. I don't see annihilation yet, but um, Alfred is on the line with you. Whoa, yep, I'm here. Alfred. Alfred, how how are you? I'm doing all right. I actually made it home at a decent time. I was like, oh, good. I actually get to uh, participate in my own show. That's that's a that's a novel idea, now, isn't it? <laughs> right, yeah, we were trying to find you. I I, I told the crowd on the, the two weeks ago, I was like, I found him, he's safe and sound. And then, and then you didn't show up. I was like, oh, I, I look like a real terrible friend now. Like, I just lied to the people. I, I didn't find him. All right, so we can, we can hold off on that, uh, on the pre-recording. I got you live here. And, yeah, so, yeah, you can, um, t- yeah, you, you wanted to t- talk about uh, Doma there. Yeah, like I said, uh, I, I shared my uh, my video I did on YouTube when Doma was really hot about uh, about a week or two ago, and it was uh, up at the Supreme Court level. And, of course, the Internet was ablaze with everyone's opinions on, well, don't call me a bigot, 
just because I oppose this and I think it's wrong. Well, it's probably you're a bigot because, for one thing, you draw your morality from this archaic device you refer to as a book. And it's really not the source of any morality that I can view as objective in any sense of the meaning. So when you say that you're drawing your morality from this thing and that it is absolute and nothing can change it, you are a bigot. That is the definition of bigotry. So it's it's, it's playing these uh, games where these terms and phrases are so damning in our public uh, view is that they don't want it, they don't want to be stuck to them. Just like now Christians don't want to claim that Christianity is is not a religion anymore. I, I, we might have to do a whole uh, episode on that because that's that's funny. That's hilarious. You, you know, you're labeled for your own. Oh, so my phone again. Your label for your own organization is so toxic that you don't want to participate in being recognized as it. That shows you something. But let me, let me get into Delma. It's the uh, Defense of Marriage Act, and I find it so ironic that it's named the Defense of Marriage Act because. Christian marriage is the only valid marriage that there is. The first thing I thought of when I heard of this uh, some time ago was that, well, if that's the case, then my marriage to my wife is not valid. My, my marriage was done in a gazebo at the college I went to from the Church of Free Thought by one of my buddies that I saw in the dorms who has an actual license in the state of Louisiana to perform marriages from the Church of Free Thought. And I thought that was hilarious, and I went with it. And that's 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 the that's the next step. I, I want to say that um, it's going to be a slippery slope to assume that if Christians are able to essentially oppress anyone who's not who's not a Christian and straight, and let them define things starting with marriage, then they're going to just continue to do that until they eventually get what they want, which is a theocracy. They they make no qualms about this. It's not anything uh, that's a mystery. They openly state how they want to progress. They openly state their agenda. That's when we get into that term about trying to poke fear and push fear into everyone's hearts. That's what that word agenda has no negative uh, connotation. It's there to put fear in people's hearts as the new boogeyman. And by doing that, they can automatically put into the other Christian uh, right-wing extremist folks, and not even the extremists, some of the moderates too, that gays are up to something. They're, they're doing something devious. They need to be stopped. And so this is their agenda, and this is how they're going about this. And eventually it's going to leak this, and then that's when all the slippery slopes start happening. But that's just my little, uh, my little intro to that piece. Yeah, that does. That word, um, bigot, you know, another one of those words where the, um, like the people that actually are the biggest, yeah, why, why they don't know the definition is because they only hear the context in the conversation in which they hear it. They say, um, you know, they, they say something inappropriate, blah, 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 black guys, and they're like, oh, man, kind of a bigot. And then they find that term to be synonymous with racist. It's like, no, you're just, you're a bigot. You won't change your mind on it even when you see uh, demonstrable evidence against whatever your, whatever your bigotry is. You know, okay, I'm a bigot, too. I will not use a Mac. I use Windows, baby. That's how I get down. I'm bigoted against those Macs. 
mack my ass. I don't like them. You know, and 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 that's okay. It's like, um, yeah, it's sometimes their bigotry is something that harms the species, that's uh, bad for society. That's that's what their bigotry leads to. My bigotry is just a shopping decision. Yeah, and I, I really agree that if people find that term synonymous with racist, and they automatically know now that being a racist is not a good thing, so they're going to try to separate themselves from that as easily as possible, but they, they make no type of uh, distinction from being, from what uh, an example of what a bigot would be, they just claim that, well, that that's not me, that's, I'm not, I'm not expressing hate towards them, I just think that lifestyle is evil, and I think that lifestyle is wrong, and I don't, I don't accept it, and I should have my opinion, well, that's exactly right, you should have your opinion, and you should have your religious beliefs and your faith, you are entitled to that, Ironically enough, that these are some of these same people. I could actually go on my Facebook and look up some of the same people that opposed uh, Obama's uh, gun control laws and that touted their freedoms and their uh, touted the Constitution and their freedoms as a source of this, which is fine. But they won't extend the same rights and privileges to everyone. Because it doesn't fit their myopic view of the world, and that's my new word for the month: is myopic, very narrow-minded. Uh, it's perfect, perfect for describing a lot of uh, Christians, Muslim, Jews, and it, it, it really is. Because when you are a bigot, you are essentially a myopic thinker. You cannot think in two dimensions. You are just this straight linear path, and nothing swaying you from it, no matter what type of evidence, like you said, that you have that's demonstrable. Yeah, my yeah, myopic. See, I'm, 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 I'm fucking with recalcitrant. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get that one down. And I, I think I had it somewhere in the monologue, like later down. Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to be the recalcitrizer in here. But the um, Eddie, the, the uh, oh man, what is um? Geez, you, you had another word in there that that's a word that's uh that's loaded that they can't handle. We hit agenda, and we hit bigot. Bang, lifestyle. That's it. They try to call it a lifestyle. Like I've I've said this before, folks. They they're saying gay lifestyle. You know exactly what they're thinking. I've said this before, gang. They they were probably did the same thing I did. They 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 you know it was like ten o'clock at night. They flipped on the HBO. They said, hey, what's this new show? Queer as folk. They flipped it on. They saw the big party scene at the dance club. And they turned it on. They said, whoa, that's the gay lifestyle. It's like, really, that's the young people's getting out and partying lifestyle. That's not just a gay. Like, a gay lifestyle, that that doesn't exist. Just wherever you live and whatever you do is your lifestyle. You get up, you go to work, you eat some broccoli, drink a beer, fart, watch TV, and fall asleep. That's your lifestyle, whether you're um, homosexual or heterosexual or bisexual or anywhere else on the Kinsey scale. You just Lifestyle, no, they're talking about that party stuff. Hetero kids are doing that on the college campus less than a mile from my house right now. Yeah, and it's it's a double standard, just like any other. They need a boogeyman. I've said this for years once I finally realized what a sham religion was, is that you look back the last 200-odd years, American Christians need a boogeyman. They need something to oppose. They need. They cannot function without someone to antagonize. 
and marginalized. Their religion doesn't work, and they become so insignificant when they're not trying to oppress somebody. And a lot of the Christians that I know get offended by that, but I'm, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm not saying this to malice. It's just an observation. If you look at every twist and turn in our American history where someone has to fight for basic rights. We're not talking about invasive rights. We're not talking about anything crazy. We're, just, we're essentially talking about two people getting together and being happy. That's at the core of this conversation. They already they already have their fears about gays going around and recruiting. I'm not sure where that came from, but that's the funny one that I'll, I'll often like. Uh, but there's a lot of misconception that happens, especially in, in that whole and that whole um, whole ideology towards people of uh, that lifestyle, and it's it's so interesting that they refer to it as that as if you could turn a switch. It's just this, this binary thing where you turn a switch on and off, and all of a sudden your heterosexuality goes away, and then your homosexuality just kicks in right afterwards. It, I, I I don't remember sitting down as a young teen and deciding, well, you know what? I think I want to be straight today. Being gay didn't work out last week. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I'll think I'll stick with being straight. When, at one point in time, did a person make that decision? But you have to really ask yourself, do these folks sit down and talk to anyone gay? Do they do, they do any type of research? Or do they go to church and they make up stuff to whatever fits their theology, and then they just go with it and just literally keep themselves willfully ignorant to everything outside their own realm and then antagonize it, but then play the victim when other people are sick of it. Mm. Jesus Christ. You, 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 yeah, you, you, you just killed it. Yeah, like they, uh, they, they, they systemically, uh, yeah, like you said, they, they, they need an enemy. They need something to attack or something that they can say is attacking them. Which is, I think, really just psychological projectionism. I think I said that in our, yeah, I, I said that in our pre-recorded conversation that they, um, they, they, they cause all this trouble. Just looking at the history of the planet, just European Christians going around doing their thing is just causing trouble. And as soon as somebody just says, "Hey, stop hitting me in the head with that baseball bat," they cry that they cry that uh, that that you're harming them. Like, and that's as a uh, it is. It's an insanity, and what makes it dangerous is that it's an insanity in groupthink. You know, it's not just one or two guys. And I think there is um, an awareness. You know, it's just like that. Uh, I've said before that they they know not what they do. That does not apply to them. Ain't they? Um, a lot of them. You know, there are the people that are just ignorant and they just don't understand it. They think it is a choice. But I think there are all those people that just want. They just want you closeted. That's all. They just want you closeted, and they're going to fight against equality because they just want you quiet. Don't hold hands in the park in front of me. I just don't want to see it. I know it exists. I just don't like it. I think those people exist, and those are people you got to worry about um, defeating intellectually, which is a little too easy because all they're going to be able to do is try to uh, thump that Bible. As, uh, ironically, Bill O'Reilly said, you can't do this. You know, even Bill O'Reilly was like the, the convincing argument is on their side. Oh, okay, Bill O'Reilly. He, he says some very interesting things, but it's it never ceases to amaze me, especially when I do have conversations with 
Christian who I, I might uh, engage some Christians on my own Facebook or I might just go along to some of these Christian blogs and see what they're putting just to say, okay, well, let me look at it from their point of view just to be fair, even though I know it's going to be full of shit. It's going to be absolute garbage. But try for a second to put myself in their shoes so no one can say, well, you're just having bigoted views too. No, the position that I back is a common sense one that I feel and that I actually sit down and take the time to look at your side and look at what you're saying and validate it based on the evidence that I have and what can be demonstrated, not on dogma, not on groupthink, not on just, just the will or this desire to be accepted by everyone around you just because everyone else is doing it. It's a cool thing to do now. It's just bandwagon. So there has been, there's yet again a conversation where they look at it and say, well, you know what? How about we just live our lives and let them live their lives and be happy? I have yet to see that. You do see slippery slopes. Well, of course, this is going to lead to pedophiles marrying kids and people marrying donkeys and this, that, and the other. Whereas, oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, oh, my bad to cut you, cut you off, look. Oh, you good. I, 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 yeah, you, you heard that one again where the guy, they asked him a question about guns and what, like... Within, like, 15 seconds, he got to, like, a man marrying his goat. Like, it's just, it's in their heads already. And I was just listening to a um, another interview earlier this morning. It was um, uh, uh, David Pakman with this uh, Christian dude. And the guy said, he was like, hey, you know, it, it, it won't, you won't be, he was talking about the procreation argument. He, you know, he was like, they, they can't breed, so they shouldn't be able to get married. And he was like, uh, well, if you get a man and a man, or if you get three women and a dog, it's like, how the fuck, uh, why are you going straight to animals so quickly? What is going on in your head? What are your parents talking about at the dinner table when you're growing up that made your mind function like that, that you go to animals? I don't get it. Well, it's easy because they already used this argument about 50 years ago when interracial marriage was banned. It's this same exact. You can actually go look up. You can go Google the images of the signs that people held up and protest to it. You can look up, um, what is it, Judge Leon Basil that even quoted the Bible when he made the ruling. Yes, Supreme Court Justice uh, Leon Basil even quoted the Bible in his decision to make uh, interracial marriage illegal. So it's the same twist and turn. It's the same religion being used over and over again. And I, it pains me that people don't see it. It really does. And especially it kills me more when I see black people doing it. Because this will be the same folks. I, I hate to even... It, it pains me to say this, but I hate to associate myself with black community because there's so much willful ignorance that happens and that so much hypocrisy that happens. I don't feel as though I'm responsible for that because I know better than that and I don't endorse that. So why should I acknowledge my existence in that just because, you know, I won the genetic roulette, you know? So Yeah, that Oh man, that that does get the like the pseudoscience 
And it's not even like pseudoscience, like they did a shitty experiment. It's that just straight off the top of the head, you know, adults in their 30s and 40s making these sort of like pre-adolescent assumptions, like the things that they're saying are stuff that I might have thought when I was 12 years old in 1996, you know, like um, like one lady, she just, she saw a, a couple of fellers, and uh, and she was like, "They they 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 gotta both be gay. Ain't no straight man gonna hang with no gay man." I was like, "What the? I'm like, where, where, where did you acquire this information?" And she was, and then she just walked over to another guy at work, and and she was like, "Hey, would you hang out with a gay man?" He said, "No." He said, "See right there." I was like, "What the fuck? That was not a real social experiment. Like you walked over to to a homophobic old guy." Weird and yeah, it is embarrassing to be associated with that. Yeah, that off the top of the head pseudoscience just freestyled it. It's just intellectual laziness. Like I, like I said in our conversation before, at at the core, I feel the most egregious, uh, most egregious. Um, I can't even think right now. The almost agree. Yeah, the most egregious fact about it is that at at its core, it is just intellectual laziness. It's, it's that desire for that group think to feel good, have that that nice feeling in the pit of their stomach, as if they actually did something good. When they don't want to acknowledge in reality, this there is no monopoly uh, monopoly for Christians to hold over marriage. And I, if I'm not mistaken. Religious arguments can't be used in this whole argument anyway, because that's illegal to use to openly use your religion as a reason to oppress somebody. I'm pretty sure in this country that that is illegal, but I, I want I want I'll leave that alone. The other argument is that they can't procreate. Well, okay, that opens the door for okay, uh, hermaphrodites, uh, couples that are sterile. Should they not be married either? You just don't stop at gays and just kind of fit it in where you find it most convenient. It has to be applied uh, liberally, for lack of a better term, over the entire population. That I don't think they assume that everyone would be as insightful in that and actually uh, and actually go that far with that. But for me, I don't like it because then. If that happens and they do get their way and they're not allowed to have the same rights as everyone else, then, okay, who's next? They can get away with this, so they're going to say, well, let's go ahead and no atheists because they're just evil people and they only make up, uh, what now, 13% of the population? Yeah, about 13% of the population, so we can easily outnumber them. So we'll go after them next. And anyone that has a... Uh, marriage and the Church of Free Thought or the Church of Free Thinking or any of these loophole groups that they made to get marriage right, well, we'll just go ahead and nullify that, and they'll just have to become a Christian in order to get married, and everything will be fine because then they'll be Christian, and then we'll have more Christians. I mean, it's, that's that's really how they think about shit. It, I, I I can't I really can't even make that up. You now, just from all my years of Christian indoctrination, that is the way that they think. It's very devious, it's very, uh, it's not so subtle, but it's very mischievous. And however they can try and get their way, 
towards their overall Christian majority theocracy, they will do it. It doesn't matter who gets hurt. It doesn't matter if your if your feelings are hurt. It doesn't matter if you know you're not getting the same rights. They don't care. All they care about is making more Christians and turning it into their, like I said, myopic view, uh, myopic worldview. And it's it, it's just disgusting. It really is. Yeah, they are. They are an insane tribe, and they don't understand that our, our the, the logic we try to give them is to save them from themselves and each other. Because as soon as they get it, they're they're gonna realize that oh yeah, that's right. Bob and Dan don't interpret the same scripture the same way, and they're gonna end up fighting over that. That's why we want to separate the church from the state. You know, I always and I always point out these two. Um, the Lutherans do not want to end up under the Catholics again. Remember that. Like you left, you wanted to change. So like we shouldn't be legislating this stuff anyway. So like really, to all you folks out there that just want your marriage to only be a man and a woman, you should have just kept it between you, your your church and your deity. You shouldn't have made it part of the state. And you wouldn't be having this uncomfortable conversation. You you would be uh you you'd be eating cold hot dogs, dipping them in some cheese whiz. You know, and I I wanted to quote I I think I saw the link to this book on the um I think I may have seen it on the Black Freethinkers page. The book is called uh, Black Men on Race, Gender and Sexuality. I just wanted to pull a pull a quote from it. A uh, guy um he um he, he was a a young uh, a gay man and he uh, he he went out he he was like at, at at a meeting and um and he he said I, I approached the microphone and posed the question that received only a uh, preliminary attention if i am a black queer non-salaried graduate student artist with a sense of humor recently transplanted from Los Angeles to New York, but originally from a matriarchal family in Memphis, how could it ever be determined that I am any of these things in particular and not all of them at once? And how do I ever know whether the look I receive from a passerby is because I am a threatening nigger, a fucking faggot, a straight-up thug, or a bizarre artist? When I speak and evoke a slight frown from company, is the frown a I discern due to my southern accent? Was I being too queeny, or do I sound too white? Now, like that was just a question you put out there. It's like, like, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, you are all those things at the same time. And then, yeah, like being um, and being black, yeah, when you get looked at, it's like, what what are you mean mugging me for? Whenever a, a strange individual sees you, and uh, and that the name of that book is Black Men on Race, Gender, and Sexuality. I might need to see if they have an audio book of that so I can multitask. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd like to uh, take some time and look into that because he raises a good time. All right. Yeah. Hey guys, we have a caller on the line actually. We have Pablo and Pablo has a question for you guys. Hey, how are you guys? Hello. How you doing? Um, I just have a question. I just want a personal opinion of do you feel like blacks do that we should even worry about this topic? Like I'm a gay black person but I feel like I'm excluded from this gay rights issue and I feel like we shouldn't even be worrying about it at all. Um, it's almost 
I would equate it to women's rights, which is pretty much white women's rights. And it's the same thing here. And the community looks at blacks as the enemy because overwhelmingly, because of religious reasons, blacks have voted against gay marriage because of the um, religious affiliations. Hmm. Alfred? Wow. Uh, I actually have to digest what he said. That was, that was, that was a long... Okay, so the basic <laughs> question is, should, should uh, black gays not even be concerned with this because it's the majority of this, this DOMA business is dealing with uh, our Caucasian counterparts. Is that correct? I, I think so. Um, should any black person, period, whether gay or straight, should we even worry about it? Well, I think so because it's important. It, it's not the DOMA itself is not rights just for whites. It's not just for blacks. It's not just for any race. And it sets, like I said, it sets a precedent. If they can effectively stop any gays from being married, then that will ultimately affect you. Because I, I mean, I don't, I don't know you personally, but would you uh, want to find a husband eventually, sometime in the future? I'm not necessarily concerned about that, um, but I do feel that maybe if we focus, so I feel like blacks focus on other people's issues and other people's rights, and no one would stand up for us and behind us. Um, I, I feel like we're just being taken along for the ride. So as a gay black person, I don't feel any resonation with this at all. Okay, and I understand what you're saying. That's And that's actually interesting that you say that because the entire reason about that we have uh, black atheist groups is because we feel that way and that our cultural issues, especially within our community, will go largely ignored because it really does not affect them. And to a degree, I really can't blame them because I wouldn't want us to become the antagonist, kind of like feminism is now doing with atheism plus and how it's kind of dividing uh, the community now. Uh, I don't know if any of you are, are privy to that, but that's that's going on now. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a very divided community. It, it's very it very is, and it and it really it breaks my heart to even know that that's mm-hmm. going on because we all should be working together, and uh. <laughs> We should be working together toward the same goals. You know, I'm a humanist. I'm working for women's rights, men's rights, gays' rights, gays, lesbians, uh, transsexual, and I think I missed one, bisexual. There we go. So I'm working for everybody's rights, and no matter the race, but you do bring up a valid point. I would say that you personally have a stake in this because this is also enabling you the option in the future should you choose so to marry someone you love but I agree with that but at the same time I just feel like if I was never included in the fight to begin with just because I have the option now presented and available to me it's almost just meaningless okay can I I jump in here real quick can I make a comment yes Um, basically Basically, you're saying that we were never included, and that's not necessarily true. Many of these movements were started by, you know, minorities of some sort. And as these issues became a little bit more mainstream or people wanted to push it mainstream, what happened is the minorities get pushed to the back. So you're talking about the gay rights movement. Um, You've you talked about several things, but we'll start with that. With the gay rights movement, it started pr- primarily with Stonewall. 
and that was trans people fighting with the police. However, what's been mm-hmm. pretty factored out of history is that those trans people were black and Latino. And even throughout the history of our modern-day gay rights movement, not only have blacks and Latinos been pushed to the side, but so have trans people. So that's where we come in to come back in and re-educate and tear down this revised history so people will be able to understand where it came from. And, you know, while I can understand how you feel, because even with the feminist movement, African-American black women played a big part in the feminist movement initially. There was a disconnect at one point, and the black women were kind of pushed to the side somewhat, but then there was another disconnect because some people in the civil rights movement, especially on the more militant side, they felt as though feminism was honing in on the civil rights movement. And so that's when some of the black women took a back seat, but then there was another dispute between um, the white feminists and one particular African-American woman by the name of Florence Kennedy because she took a legal case that Gloria Steinem and the rest of them, they, they disagreed with her on taking that particular case. So it's about us going back into history and learning exactly what happened, but the main focus of what I'm trying to say is If we deny rights to one particular group, we deny rights to all groups. When one group gets rights or civil rights, that trans, you know, trans um, transpires and is is transferable to all of us, because white women are considered a minority. If they get certain rights, it's applicable to everyone. And if we were to go with some people in the community and deny the LGBT community um, the ability for marriage equality, then if they can strike that down, what's next? You know, it used to be illegal for interracial couples to get married. So, I mean, it just really depends on your perspective and how you look at this, but I feel that civil rights should be afforded to everyone. Okay, that's been definitely eye-opening for me, um, what you just stated. So definitely thank you. Yes, and I'd, I'd say I, I myself, I'm not um, I'm not working very hard at it. I'm, I'm you know, I've said before, I'm, I'm in my pajama pants and do, doing a podcast. I'm not, not very, not not sweat breaking work here. But uh, I, I I dug down and uh, like I'm just putting my my thoughts out there in the the free market of ideas on current news and uh, stuff that I look up in the past. Like uh, you just said, uh, minorities in in the beginning there. We have a uh, uh, Sylvia Ray Rivera, uh, born in uh, 1951 and uh, expired in uh, 2002. American transgendered activist uh, Rivera was a founding member of both the Gay Liberation Front and the Gay Activist Alliance. Now, uh, most of this story is brought out in detail by Michael Bronsky. Now, Rivera was abandoned by her birth father, uh, Jose Rivera, early in her life and became an orphan after her mother committed suicide. And when Rivera was three years old, she was raised by her Venezuelan grandmother, who disapproved of her effeminate behavior and and really bugged out when she started wearing uh, makeup in the fourth grade. Now, this resulted in Rivera ended up living on the streets at the age of 11, but joined a community of drag queens, awesome-tacular, and the drag community, to me, is the hip-hop of the gay community. I love it. 
Now, uh, Rivera's activism began during the Vietnam War with civil rights and with the feminist movement, and that was fully blooming at the time of the Stonewall Riots. And uh, and um, what um, what Michael Bronsky tells in the story about her, he says she often spoke of her presence within the Stonewall that that night, and she became involved in the Puerto Rican and African American youth activism, particularly with the Young Lords street gangs and Black Panther sex. And um, a, another activist from that time, uh, Ricky Wilkins, uh, spoke on her and said, uh, "Sylvia was like a Rose and Parks of a modern transgender movement." A uh, term that wasn't even coined until uh, two two decades after Stonewall. And uh, another group, uh, Street uh, Transgendered Action Revolutionaries, or STAR, that was originally founded by Sylvia in 1970 with Marsha P. Uh, Uh, That's another active political organization that was dedicated to helping homeless youth and street drag queens and trans women. And they fought in New York City to get a transgendered rights bill for a trans-inclusive New York State Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act. And that doesn't spell anything cool unless you're into NY Sonda. And uh, also star-sponsored street pressures for justice uh, for Amanda Milan, uh, a transgendered woman who was murdered in 2000. And uh, Sylvia also attacked um, Human Rights Commission and the the Empire State Pride agenda as organizations which were standing in the way of transgendered rights. And on her deathbed, she met with uh, Matt Foreman and Jose Grabars, of the Empire State Pride agenda in order to negotiate trans inclusion in uh, in ESPA's political structure and agenda. And Rivera, she also refused to have drag culture erased from the gay rights agenda by assimilationist gay leaders who were seeking to make the community look a little bit more attractive to the heterosexual majority at the time. And uh, uh, Rivera, she had conflicts with the mainstream gay and lesbian advocacy groups that were emblematic of the mainstream gay rights movement and it strained a relationship with transgendered issues. And after her death, uh, Michael Bronsky also recalled her anger that she felt for just herself be feeling marginalized within the community. And uh, yeah, this is just a little bit more uh, minority history in, in, involved in the, uh, the you know fighting for equality. So it seems like to me, uh, minorities have always been at the root of it, except for it does get pushed under the carpet in an effort to make it palatable to mainstream culture which it seems like what is happening for um, blacks maybe, and then also in the larger gay community, what is happening for people who are transgendered is in an effort to make it palatable, just not including people. Hmm. Uh, I wonder if it's just not, uh, I guess, other races or other sects trying to push people out. You know, is it actually that we are demanding more of a active role in it, or once we find success, we get lax and just kind of uh, act, uh, passively become members, or we have to try and look at this more objectively uh, when we're trying to view this thing, because we are still talking about our brothers and sisters in the same fight for the same thing. Uh, I'm not really one to try and uh, be divisive unless it's absolutely blatant and overt uh, decisive, uh, the divisiveness, and it is already on the table, and it is there glaring us in the face. But uh, like I said, that's one one of the reasons we have uh, Black atheist groups, and so we can be a part of the larger groups 
that deal with atheism, free thought community, humanism, etc. But we can also now address our own issues in our communities because they are vastly different. And I can't expect um, a lot of our uh, counterparts of other races to really understand and empathize and take the time that we would to try and solve these issues then they aren't very familiar with it. It, would, it really wouldn't be fair uh, to expect that of them. So what we have to end up doing is having, you know, like we have different chapters around different states and then also working with the larger group uh, in the area as well and they can have a kind of a, I guess, a, a liaison in between so we can keep each other abreast about what's going on and still be somewhat inclusive and not, uh, I guess, seemingly uh, de facto segregation as it, as it seems to, for some people, that's what it is. Okay. Hmm. Yes, solid, solid. Thanks for calling in there. You guys have a great night. Yeah, right on. All right, let's 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 see, let's see where 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 are we going with this one? I think I'm gonna skip down because we're uh, we're heading in we're we're heading into the last ten minutes here. I'm gonna skip the uh, skip the Craig, though the William Lane Craig watch. I know you know what I think I think I'll go for it. Let me just scroll through. I was skip skipping through trying to find out what what I should make the uh, the next one. So yeah, Craig watch. I like to listen to the William Lane Craig podcast because he is. Very amusing, and uh, he he recently uh, he he read an article online that he didn't like again. He's it, this it just keeps happening to him. He keeps finding these damn articles that he doesn't like. The last one he met that woman who was angry that God was a man and she hated men, so that's why she turned atheist. And then that's that's the same one where he pulled the uh, no true Scotsman and said she wasn't a true Catholic or she wouldn't have became atheist. He is adorable. All right, now he uh, he sees one where where some, a woman is saying that internet will destroy Christianity, and he's pissed. He's not feeling it. He he wonders if this young woman understands that there are websites like his. Like he doesn't even talk about it. He doesn't say Christian websites in general. He says, does she know that there are websites like mine? And then uh, she has a list of six things that uh that she thinks can help um, destroy the Internet. And you can tell it's written by a person that doesn't write very well. It said uh, she likes uh, radically cool science videos and articles, you know, and those are online, and that can help destroy Christianity. And Craig responds with his talking points. You know, the, the Internet provides more insight into the Big Bang as part of fine-tuning, and that it shows how natural science proves the cosmological argument and as a scientist, as scientists provide accurate information on the universe, particularly the multiverse, can be a god surrogate. So he basically says, "I don't understand science, therefore God." Like that's what he, those are his key words. If you listen to him five times, you'll hear cosmological argument, fine tuning, and multiverse. He he just he throws those out there. Like he he anywhere in the sentence, he doesn't care. Donut multiverse. He'll just what? say it. It just sounds like he's been playing too much Dungeons and Dragons. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a wild cat, man. I I can't get enough of of, of the Craigster. Number two is um. Curated collections of ridiculous beliefs will be exposed. 
like that that's what she thinks about religion and he he responds to a number 2 with yes those extremists are out there and then he literally says but there's also truth like my website like he just promotes his website again like he's not selling books on this episode he's trying to get website hits you know maybe sell some books on audible.com get some amazon links going you know bills don't pay themselves right the uh, and then it says the internet holds them up to ridicule, and he doesn't even respond to that one. He just skips straight to number four. It says with the internet, people leaving, um, people are leaving and going on the internet to congregate, like they're leaving religion and congregating on atheist websites. And Craig goes back to that mother who was raising the eight-year-old child without God again, and says that they're trying to leave their father figure. Like Craigster has a big thing for patriarchy. He does not like when people leave the father figure you got you got to have a man around to teach you how it's done and then she uh she said uh she said once you get out of the religious ghetto you can get into lifestyles of the fine and faithless and craig says that when he finds atheists he finds people that are and i quote what i find is a community of rude uncivil, nasty, and often vulgar people. I don't find the atheist community that's out there on the Internet at all attractive. I find it to be quite repulsive. So she might be attracted to the secular community on the web. <laughs> it, 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 like he, he, I guess he thinks atheists are disgusting. Like, Al, Al, yeah, Al, Alfred, you're not civil. You aren't. No, not at all. I've, I've been definitely cussing out everyone who's been on this show and, you know, the main black people thank you. So, as a matter of fact, I cuss out everybody. I cuss out people on my YouTube channel all the time. That's what I thought you are. You're you're nasty and often vulgar, my my good man. I, I think you need to get, get down on some of that Jesus. Might make me a silly person. Oh hell, oh hell yeah, man! You can, you can lead a man to fish, but he'll write Jesus on it and stick it to his car. And then uh, his, his co-host says that uh, the Christians are trying to clean that up on their side, but uh, the, but and they don't cite that atheism plus even exists. They just they skip right over that. And then they say the Christians are working overtime to clean up. But yeah, when you when you see a, a, a an, an atheist group, they're like the underside of the web. That was his quote. Like the atheists are the underside. Like man, have you never seen like Stormfront? And then uh, her sixth one that he doesn't he doesn't like that she said is uh, interspiritual okayness. I don't even know what that is. Like this young lady might be a hippie that wrote this one, and he says uh, it uh, it undermines religious confessions, promoting religious relativism. And then he goes on to brag about the internet embedding and furthering the cause of a world mission. Yeah, I think about the history of the planet over like the past 600 years and the world mission of spreading the gospel and other activities is not to brag about. Remember we just talked about um oh what was that? The uh, apartheid, all right? It, it, not a good thing when a Christian shows up in on your tribal lands. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think uh <laughs> I'm not even sure what to say. Well, I've heard of, um, sometimes I, I, I go to the Magic Sandwich show with uh, other YouTubers, Aaron Raw and DPR Jones, and they talk about William Lane Craig and Link, and I've really never taken the time to sit and listen to his brand of crazy. I have, however, 
been engaging another guy, Jason Burner, a, a UK uh, guy, a uh, YouTuber who makes probably eight videos a day. I'm not even joking. He, he has like multiple channels, and he will, anytime he feels like talking for half an hour, quite literally, he will make a video. And his most recent one, it, it, it hints with some of the stuff that uh, Lane is saying. I think he might be a fan of William Lane Clay, which is scary. Ugh. Yeah, no, I yeah, I I, I listen to him. I, I I listen to William Lane Craig the same way that like um someone who identifies as a liberal watches Fox News. Like I'm I'm looking at the train wreck and I can't turn my head. And that's what it is with me and the Craigster. Yeah, I mean that's uh, and occasionally you know I used to go on these Christian forums before I started getting banned from you know <laughs> their entire argument is a lot of fallacy. They could go in there and try and see what are they actually talking about? What are they really doing? And that's how I kind of came across this new trend. And uh, somebody actually had it on their YouTube page that the new cool thing for them to do is not refer to their religion as a religion. It's the truth. It's a way of life. The truth, the a way of life. You mean your favorite parts of the Bible that you pick out while you ignore the ones that are inconvenient? Ah, yeah, that's a way of life to be to be ideologically inconsistent. That is that is definitely a way of life. Dare I say that's your chosen lifestyle? You were not born with that Christian lifestyle, sir. That was a lifestyle choice. So, uh, let 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 my gay friends get married, Jesus Christ, and let the gay people that are not my friends get married. You know, like uh, you know, like my my gay neighbor across the street. We're not friends. He lets his dog out loose, and 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 that makes me very angry when I'm trying to take my garbage out. But I still want him to get married. That's why I voted no on Prop Two out here. Oh yeah, I can only imagine how Florida is and trying to extend rights to anyone who's not male or Caucasian. That's pretty much not gonna happen. <laughs> No, yeah, that one. Like I, 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 I still, I, I went to the voting booth for it. I tried to tell people about it because no, no one really pays attention out here. Everybody in Florida is so drunk or on meth. They're just out there. It's, yeah, no, no, nobody paid attention, and Prop Two passed. So yeah, it, it could have been, it could have been legit out here in 2008 that they just couldn't get the word out. Everybody was caught up with the Hawaiian Thunder, trying to get the, trying to get the black guy in. Well, what I will say is between bath salts and stand your ground, you all don't ever have to worry about me moving to Florida. Ever. Yeah? Don't don't you just want them to secede? I'll leave. Just just get rid of them. And, and the whole South can just be Walmart Jesus land, and then they can stop basically <laughs> having the North pay, pay, their, uh, pay for their EBT cards. And <laughs> so... It's really interesting that they pay so much attention to stuff like gay rights and uh, Beyonce and, and the other guy going to Cuba. It's like you don't realize that your state, you, you, you folks that are the forefront of trying to stop people from having rights are the main ones crying when someone tries to encroach on your rights. It, it that doesn't that doesn't ring any bells. That that's just that, that's that myopic worldview. I don't understand it. But I'm even more trying to understand is that some of these modern Christians, like well, some of my family members, that who once remained pseudo-Christian, spiritualist, and, you know, the, the uh, you mentioned the interfaith 
believers is that, you know, they're, they're not dumb by any means. But when it comes to religion, the indoctrination grabbed on to them a little harder than it grabbed on to me. And it's, it won't let go. And, and it, it's it's really hard to see how we, can we uh, progress as a society when we have this hereditary religion and it's not being criminalized as it should be. Because it, it we are honestly, to this day, still fighting for people's rights. We're supposed to be in the best country in the world, in, in North America, the best country. In the, no, in the entire world, supposed to be. But we are still having folks fighting for rights. That seems like a gilded image of America. We should not be even talking about this sort of thing. It, it's not. It doesn't impact anyone straight. I'm not. My life is not going to be impacted if they get married. But I'm going to. If they don't, if they're not allowed the same rights, then I feel, especially as a service member, that I'm not defending the Constitution that I rose my hand up. And said, "Yes, I'm. I'm going to defend American rights. It, it's. It almost seems like a hypocrisy, but I'm gonna leave that low for another time." Mm, yeah, that's real. I think. Um, ooh, are, are we in the last few seconds here? You are in overtime now. Oh, oh, we're in overtime. Well, let me see. I I, I had so much written, but then uh, then, then Alfred called in. I was like, oh, we got to switch it up into discussion mode. This is not just going to be a long ass monologue. Let me see. Um, did, did you have any? Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to go into, Alfred? Um, no, that was it. I, I basically hit it on uh, what I wanted to talk about. This, this headache's really killing me. I'm trying to think about what, what I forgot, but that and then my son decided he wants to practice his verbal skills. So uh, we can all we have we have more episodes. Hey, where we'll get some more listeners and get some more callers in. I really appreciate Pablo, by the way, if he's still in the chat. Yep. Oh, is the the, the chat room is open? Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, geez, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. I'm God, geez, I I am behind. All right. Well, uh, oh, well, we we still have some. Well, all right, we're on the uh, we're on the overtime here. Could I go into a uh, little little transgender history? I did a little story on um on the uh on on the Puerto Rican um, transgendered woman. Uh. Yeah, I guess I'll go into uh, Stephen um, Ro- Robert and Dean. Um, uh, August 6, uh, 1948, and died August 4, 1993. He actually died just a few months before my biological mother, and also, by complications, made not only more possible but more probable due to acquired immune deficiency syndrome. And uh, from 1968 to 1972, uh, Robert Ede, Robert and Dean, he attended the University of Minnesota. Now, during this time, it was on May 18th in 1970, you had Jack Baker and Mike McConnell. These guys had recently moved from Oklahoma to Minnesota, and they went into the Hennepin County Courthouse, and they filed for a marriage license. Now, at this time, Minnesota didn't even have a law against same-sex marriage. It, it wasn't even a thought. And uh, this guy, Gerald Nelson, he just happened to be the clerk doing the shift that day, you know, taking care of all Americans. And he denied the couple the marriage license without a law to back him up denying them. And, of course, Baker and McConnell, they sued. 
and the, and the case it went up to the uh, the state supreme court, and the justices uh, did not give the argument much merit. The court they just bang ruled against the couple in 1971, and the U.S. Supreme Court they later dismissed an appeal with a single sentence ruling. Now, in the legislature, the most uh, passionate defender at this time for the gay rights was uh, Alan Speer. He was a state senator from Minneapolis, and he graduated with a Ph.D. from Yale in addition to politics, and he also worked as a teacher at the university. And there's a, there's a quote from him that he, uh, that he wrote in the Quare, the University of Minnesota Law School. It's a now defunct newspaper. Uh, there are, of course, differences between the oppression faced by gays and the oppression faced by minorities, just as there are differences between racism and sexism, but all people have an equal right to be accepted on the basis of their individual qualities, not on the basis of race or sex or religion or affectional preferences. That is what the struggle for gay civil rights is all about. End quote. Now, I, I dig it. Even though I myself, I wouldn't use the term preference, I tend to go with nature because wherever a, a human or any other species lands on the Kinsey scale is natural, not preferred. You might prefer syrup in your ear and cheesecake in your armpits while you're going at it, but that that that, that might be a preference, but that's not the nature. Now, uh, it's also like he's saying, gay is not the new black back in the 70s. He said the differences between oppression faced by gays and the oppression faced by minorities, the differences. You know, and it reminds me of this old um, Spike Lee joint from 1996 called Get on the Bus. It's about a greyhound uh, taking a group of men from Southern California to the Million Man March in the District of Columbia. Now, uh, there were two uh, gay male characters in the film, a couple, actually, uh, Randall and Kyle. And even though it was a group of black men gathered in solidarity, it uh, it reached a boiling point uh, with Kyle having to do some wild karate ninja martial arts stuff that I couldn't even explain. And he showed the character Flip what time it was. And there was a point in the film where Kyle was talking about his experience in the military in the uh, 1991 Gulf War, where he was uh, purposely shot by his own platoon. I think they call that friendly fire, ironically. And it was because of his race and being gay. And he actually wasn't dead, but he kind of played dead, and he stood over, and he he could hear them talking over them as they stood over his body. And they said, we got two birds with one stone, one nigger, and one faggot, uh, two birds. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah they felt like they took out a gay and they they took out a black, and uh, I, I think that uh, that that just that, that that's that's what I thought of when I saw that quote: the oppression faced by gays and the oppression faced by minorities. So they would have killed him for being gay or for being black. Yeah, those guys they they just wanted to take out one or the other. They would have went for it. Now, uh, Spears, his position was considered radical at the time. I mean, it was 1975, and but this guy stayed on the clock busting his ass for human rights uh, for a bill that would outlaw discrimination against gay people on the job and in buying or renting property. And this bill bought out an enormous show of support from gay rights activists at the time. And the bill, it, it had some momentum, 
But at the request of some activists, the uh, representative at the time, Arne Carlson, who would go on to be the pre-Lee Atwater Republican governor of Minnesota, she amended the bill and made it so it would include transgendered individuals. Good deal. Thank you, Arne Carlson. And uh, there's a recent quote from uh, Bob Vanasek, who was another former legislator at the time that actually worked with Spears. And at the time, he said, at the time, the idea of including transsexuals or transgendered was a little further than most legislature would go. So uh, Carlson, like, really went the progressive route hardcore on that one and included transgendered individuals in the in the bill. Now, another man who who was against adding protection for transgendered folks and saying um, it won't pass with, with them as the reason was our buddy Stephen and Dean from earlier. And in 1971, while he was still in college, he founded the Minnesota, Minnesota Committee for Gay Rights and later changed to the Gay Rights Legislative Committee. Now, in the 1970s, he worked as a co-chairman with the board of directors of the National Gay Task Force. This later got changed to the NGLFT, so it was including lesbians. I, I dug around, but I couldn't find out why. I have to assume that maybe Yahweh needed to make them from Stephen's rib first so they could exist, but I'm cynical. Now, they uh, they didn't include transgendered folks until 1997, nine years after Stephen left. Anybody paying attention to the arithmetic can now prevent that. In, uh, in 1978, he became the director of the uh, Gay Rights National Lobby, and in 1980, he started the Human Rights Campaign Fund, and later known as the uh, HRC, and he served as as the first executive director and to raise money for uh, gay supportive congressional candidates. That was the idea of this. And within three months' time, the HRC was registered with the Federal Election Commission as an independent political action committee. So it's 1980, Mount St. Helens goes off, and we get ashes and sprinkles of activism. Now, uh, right here in the story, I'm coming into uh, where we had uh, Sylvia Rivera that I was talking about before with our uh, with our guest caller and uh, how she brought it, how she uh, started the, uh, the the organizations like Star and um, and uh, the the Gay Liberation Front. So we we move forward, go past this story. And it was a man named Jim Forat who was an early member of the Gay Liberation Front, and this guy was actually a participant in the Stonewall riots, and he kind of just. I don't know if he just went nuts or if these were always his thoughts, but uh, this is what he said about transgendered folks. And it was um, it was a, a letter that he wrote to the New York Times. He said that transgendered folks, uh, and talking mostly about male to female, and uh, he said they're simply gay men who were pressured by the heterosexist establishment into undergoing dangerous interventions in order to be heterosexual women. Yeah, uh, he, he said uh, also um, in reference to the late uh, uh, Brandon Tina, a 19-year-old uh, female-to-male transsexual who was brutally raped and murdered for, uh, for being a trans transgender transsexual, and um, and he uh, referred to her as uh, as she. And I, I put the link to that story on the uh, on the Father Teresa Facebook page. And uh, he also intentionally referred to um, Calpurnia Adams as he. Uh, more info on on, um, on Calpurnia Adams also on the page. 
and he said um, sexual reassignment surgery is a failed experiment that is harmful to those gay men who undergo it. And the uh, fifth thing he said in that letter was um, that uh, transsexuals are mostly workers in the adult entertainment and prostitution, and the only exceptions being uh, Wendy Carlos and Renee Richards. So, uh that, that that guy he 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 just went out went out on his own thing there, but it's like he he was involved in all this activism, and then it's like you you put out that letter. I I'd like to do more research and find out more about that guy. It's been very very interesting hearing about him. There's a writer, uh, Lynn Conway, and she she read his letter and she attributes it to um older, uh, much older to quote her. Uh, gay men that relied on pseudoscience and confirmation bias to presuppositions influenced by the same gender binary, uh, patriarchal indoctrination that already served as fertile grounds to plant the seeds of homophobia. And uh, that, that's like I talk about, gang, with the, uh, with the monster in the closet thinking. Our species is older and smarter now, all right? We're not, our species in general, we're not three years old anymore thinking that, oh, there's a boogeyman in the closet. We have the light turned on. We can clearly see there's no monster. But there's some folks that refuse to believe that it's just a T-shirt rustling in the breeze under the air conditioner. We know there's no monster now, uh, there's Janice Raymond, who was a close associate of this Jim Forat, who wrote this letter. And, and in 1979, Janice Raymond just made these things even worse, poured more gasoline on the fire, if you will, with her virulently anti-transgendered book she wrote. She called it The Transsexual Empire. And she took it even a step further in 1981, and she pinned uh, this sort of like fake scientific-looking report, and this report was responsible for not only ending federal and state aid for indigent trans people, but led to the insurance company prohibitions on gender reassignment-related claims. Now, uh, Jermaine Greer, his uh, anti-transgendered writing combined with uh, Janice Raymond's writing, it led to involuntary outing and harassment of trans women in lesbian community settings. So these were just foul people that are just causing trouble for for my transgender folks. And in 1998, <clears throat> excuse me, Elizabeth Birch was the head of the HRC in Chicago, and some uh, some, some some trans folk they asked about um get, getting included in INDA, the Employment Non Discrimination Act, and Elizabeth Birch's response was, "Transgendered folks will be included quote over my dead body." Now, Elizabeth even got in touch with Ricky Wilkins, remember, who was down with Sylvia Rivera. And, uh, and, and getting information from Ricky Wilkins, she would find out the lobbying schedule of the transgendered citizen lobbyist uh, group. And, she would, and they would go to those places first and talk to the crowds and refer to them as trandy, trannies and tell them that uh, ENDA inclusion was impossible. And, and we'll, just, we'll try to get them in a hate crimes bill, but we can't get them in ENDA. And you know, and, and in many cases, uh, gay people who sat on various HRC boards, they they would either uh, nationally or regionally lead efforts. And in um, in 1999, a Diane Hardy Garcia, who was the executive director of the Lesbian Gay Rights Lobby, uh, now is called Equality Texas. At the time, uh, and she was an HRC board member, and she led to the successful effort to cut trans people out of the James Byrd hate crimes bill. 
And uh, this this was uh, to 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 mine uh, T gains. Um, geez, there's so many names. It's uh, T G A I N. That's another um, group, and they had a vehement opposition to that. Now, the bill was eventually killed in a GOP-controlled Texas Senate, but passed in a 2001 as a GLB-only bill and was signed into law by old um, Rick War on Religion Perry. $10,000 bet. Now, lately, on the uh, state and local chapter level, they are uh, reforming and dumping a lot of the transphobia, but on a federal and national level, uh, transgendered folks are still relatively uh, shut out and uh right now they are they are known they they are known for just two trans people who they have working for them um one is uh Allison Robinson whoops accidentally clipped something on my computer there right in front of my notes there they had a uh, Allison Robinson who is now um head of the Outserve SLDN and um and Kyler Brodus who now runs the uh Trans People of Color Coalition and uh, this information that that I'm that I'm bringing to you, most of it comes from uh, Monica Roberts of uh, TransGrioBlogspot.com. Uh, Monica is a trans person of color, and she points out that yeah, there, there was some uh, trouble with the uh, HRC relating and fighting and working with trans people of color, but they are gen- generally on the right side of history. And you know, let's just let's have these discussions. Let's share this information. And there's also some more alternative groups out there: um, uh, National Gay Lesbian Task Force, the National Black Justice uh, Coalition, which, which is a decade old. Uh, Glad with the two A's and Glad with one A, which are both groups uh, that push for increasing the decibels on the voices for trans people of color. You might remember the Glad with the two A's from uh, the year 2000 when Eminem put out the Marshall. Mathers LP that was uh they they were interviewed a lot on MTV talking about um quotes on that album. Now, it is uh true that yeah, HRC they were a little late uh to accept the uh trans inclusion adding the T to the LGB only in um in 2004 and it was trouble with Barney Frank uh, c- uh cutting trans folk out of out of Inda you know the more information i i got like from from reading what monica roberts wrote and then um yeah you know, sniffing around that researching opening links every, everywhere i could and um guy uh, joe salmonese a few days earlier than um than than barney frank cutting them out of enda this guy joe salmonese he was he was working for hrc and he was uh standing up at a southern comfort conference which is the largest transgendered uh, conference in the country and he said that HRC will not support a bill that is not trans-inclusive. He raised about $20,000 at the event, and then a couple days later, Barney Frank cuts him out of the bill. It's, uh, yeah, that, that that stuff just happens. Um, now, uh, also in the research, I, I found a piece by a writer, um, uh, Dana Breyer, is uh, quoting from her. Outside the uh, Supreme Court hearing, the HRC asked some protesters to take down the transgendered flag, and and she said it was the worst experience uh, from the 2007 debacle over the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, so it happened again in 2007. 
and um, it, it went uh, vir- virtually the entire LGBT community organization for trans inclusion. They wanted to leave HRC alone and support an inclusive INDA, and HRC, HRC support for marriage equality has been robust and intense, but not so much its support for trans equality. Internally, HRC has no trans staffers and only one trans board member. Worse, it rarely it, it has rarely been any better than that. And this is an organization with nearly 50 board members being tasked with increasing national trans board representation. I know that HRC does not stand alone as an outlier, but given that HRC is unofficially the national voice for the entire LGBT community, a role embraced by the organization that that the uh, lack of representation does stand out and this need not be the case. I, th- I think she was she was civil about that, and I think that that's how you got to go about it, you know. Because I, mean, I I listen to some other podcasts and stuff, and I, they're just screaming on them, and it seems like they didn't even really do much research. They just immediately like the 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 phrase that pays transphobic. Like stop yelling at people. No one is going to listen to you. All right. Now I, I found a um, another website because this one this this show it was about agendas, and I was trying to find um. Maybe an agenda somewhere, and I found the uh, the National Gay Lesbian Task Force uh, ha- as they stand today, and they have a modern day agenda. First point: uh, discrimination. Say it takes place in the lives of transgendered people in a range of contexts, including education, employment, housing, and public accommodations, such as public transit and retail establishments. Though incidents vary, the overwhelming national picture is clear. For example, the National Transgender Discrimination Survey shows 90% of transgendered people have experienced employment discrimination or have hid who they are in order to avoid it. 78% of those who were out of school reported bullying, and 53% being verbally harassed or disrespected any place of public accommodation. The task force has worked to pass transgender-inclusive non-discrimination laws and policies at the state, uh, local, state, and federal level for over a decade. Now, through our work on an in-the-ground organizing by the Academy for Leadership and Action and through a transgender civil rights project, which which produces the following fact sheets on non-discrimination, all jurisdictions with explicitly trans-inclusive non-discrimination laws, scope of explicitly inclusive non-discrimination laws. They move on to health care. Health care is a crucial issue we work with on multiple angles. First, discrimination takes place in medical settings, which leads to poor health outcomes for many people over the course of their lives. The National Transgender Discrimination Survey found that 19% of people had been refused medical care simply because of their gender identity expression, and 28% had been harassed in a doctor's office or hospital. This leads many to avoid seeking needed care when sick or injured. Second, transgendered people too often are denied access to transition-related care by insurance companies or other health systems, uh, whether they seek counseling, hormone therapy, surgeries, or other procedures. This limits the accessibility of often life-saving forms of care. Whether the care is related to transition or not, providers' lack of transgender-related medical knowledge too often means that transgendered people cannot get competent care. Finally, we have 
advocated for the reform of gender-related diagnosis in the Diagnostic Manual of the American Psychiatric Association, known as DSM. The third point, police and jails. Transgendered people are regularly mistreated by police and profiled for unfair arrest simply because of their gender identity expression. According to the National Transgender Discrimination Survey, 22% of transgender people who interact with police reported harassment, 6% reported physical assault, and 2% were sexually assaulted by officers. In jails and prisons, the grave human rights abuses continue, with staff perpetuating physical and sexual abuse, failing to appropriate, uh, appropriately house transgender people accordingly to their gender identity and safety needs, the denying needs Needed medical care. Transgender people of color, like all people of color, experience they report experiencing particularly high levels of abuse from police and in jails and prison. Next point: identity documents. Identity documents are essential to basic social and economic life in our country. Access to employment, housing, health care, and travel can all hinge on having appropriate and consistent documents. Yet, for many transgender people, obtaining identity documents that match their name and gender is a major hurdle. According to the National Transgender Discrimination Survey, only one-fifth 21% of transgender respondents were able to update all of their IDs and records, and one-third, 33%, had updated none. Study participants also confirmed anecdotal evidence. Ooh, I don't like the sound of that. But uh, they, they confirmed anecdotal evidence that inaccurate identification exposed people to a range of hostile outcomes, including denial of service, harassment, and even violence. The task force works to eliminate legal and bureaucratic barriers, amending identity documents, including policies that require proof of surgery because many people are unable to afford this particular treatment or it is not wanted. Homelessness is a serious problem, with 19% of transgender people experiencing homelessness during their life because of their gender. Homeless shelters often discriminate by refusing access to shelter, 29%. At shelters, people often experience harassment by staff and residents at a, at a level of 55%, and 22% are sexually assaulted. Now, with the National Coalition for the Homeless, the task force provided a guide for homelessness Homeless Shelters, Transitioning Our Shelter, A Guide to Making Homeless Shelters Safe for Transgender People. Each programmatic department of the task force includes transgender people and issues as a priority in our work. This includes the research conducted in a policy institute, uh, political organizing work on transgender non-discrimination ballot measures, campaigns conducted by the Academy for Leadership and Actions, trans-specific trans uh, work within federal agencies taken up by the New Beginning Initiative, and the trans-inclusive faith work in the Institute for Welcoming Resources. All of these focus areas work in collaboration with the Transgender Civil Rights Project, our program specifically dedicated to advancing the civil rights of transgender people. In addition, the task force has worked to make it stronger transgendered rights and transgendered inclusion 
inclusive LGBT rights and movements by uh, conducting the transgender-specific leadership training and trans-ally training for local organizations. To this end, we have also published the guides opening the door to inclusion and transgendered people, the nine keys to making LGBT organizations fully transgendered inclusive and transgender equality, a handbook for activists and policymakers to help all LGBT organizations become fully inclusive in their missions and work. Now, these people came with a with an agenda, like I I, I got to get to work. I, I you know I I, I got to come up with an agenda. I got plenty of time. I'm sitting here in, in in my pajama pants and house shoes. I'm relaxing. Now, let me just say, if I may borrow a vernacular from the drag community, this is not a read on HRC. All right, the HRC and many other folks are out there relatively riding on the right side of the history train. So let's communicate with uh, people that support them and communicate with them if there are chapters in your city, state. You know, let's not split up into smaller tribes fighting over intellectual territory in the free market of ideas. I submit that we shall be civil and seek not tolerance of each other but tranquility among one another and not stand but walk in unison to walk through this jungle of a society that our predecessors have let grow around us to create the fair level path that our collective offspring may freely stroll in an atmosphere of equality that has always been normal to them. All right, my species is better than we have been. And uh, and and we could uh, we 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 could do better by transgendered folks. We're, we're already walking in the in the right way. Let's just have more of these discussions. You stay stay on topic and stay focused. I, I think we could wrap, wrap 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 it up here, man. I know they got to be getting tired of this high pitched voice just throwing words at you. Oh, oh man, it's been a great show. I appreciate it. You put a lot of information out there, and it should definitely help some people. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, I was excited doing this one. Yeah, I just said, yeah, all, all week I'm just having fun. Like, ooh, what is this? What's this link? So yeah, and then I gotta, and then I, I, I saw your message, Cam. I, I, I'm gonna dig back in my history and, and, and hit you with them. Well, thank you kindly. Thank you kindly. So I guess we'll close it out with the Black Free Thinkers thing. All right. The funk. Yeah. We gotta get the entire MP3 thing built. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by space in a lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through, a venue for community and this is the zone. If you'd like to speak with Kim, then pick up the phone. 310-982-4273 to get through. The next tree branch is Rainer, and it's best you listen to reason, science, and 
skepticism. It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope. She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat. Humans are hilarious, and every other Friday, I'd like to hear commentary on culture, people. So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline to discuss why we're capable of ultra evil. It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street, but if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it. And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead, ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance. My father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop, so Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop. I have a extended family and all these places now, as the free thought tree pollinates some rainbow. Yeah. This is the challenge to think for yourself. Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get 